whether or not you start a career or you you know uh, you become self-sufficient you open an online store there will be times where you have to just stick with it and you have to be committed even though you really want to run for the hills right and i think that's a really good lesson to be learned you're listening to ecomonics a debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. We have the funnel a concept we introduced very early on, and it continues to be a major factor in the conversations throughout this series. And today, we emphasize the importance of the post-purchase part with my guests today, Doran Fader and Aftership. With over 880 carriers working within the service, that should give you an idea of how big a deal this is to your success. Doran Fader, it is good to have you here in Ecomotics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Joseph, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, just a little um, inside baseball for our audience. Um, uh, Doran and I have had the pleasure to meet and connect because our companies are um, doing some other projects along the lines. We can reveal that at some other point. Um, so it's cool to already be acquainted and to now be able to, to do this recording. It's almost like a pre- prerequisite. You know, yeah, you got you to come in here on the podcast. We got we to gotta get you on here. We got to talk. We got I got to collect everybody. And with that, I guess in, in some small way, we're about to reveal how our relationship will factor in because I'm going to ask you what you do, what you're up to. Uh, so our audience is smart. They'll figure it out. But with that mm-hmm. said, tell us what you do and tell us what you're up to these days. Sure. Um, so I'm the one. Uh, I'm uh, the head of growth at Aftership and Automizely. Um, and I'm uh, responsible for managing all the existing growth uh, channels for all the different products that we have um, and constantly building and new growth opportunities, specifically partnerships with other entities in the ecosystem, such as the Beautify, for instance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's funny because like when I do uh, podcast recordings, it's pretty consistent with the people that I meet is that we do get a lot of people who are like, they're in the positions. We do get like the podcast people, we get the outreach people, we get the HR people. So we can go one of two ways. Uh, the first would be like, you know, to tell us about uh, Aftership and to a larger degree, Optimizely. We also want to hear about you know how how you got into it, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that part uh, maybe in, uh, in in a little bit. So aftership, um, this is the the question that I tend to frame to people uh, whenever we get to talk about you know agencies and services, which is tell us about it and uh, tell us about the story behind it. What problem was going unsolved at the time of its formation? Mm-hmm, absolutely, um, yeah. So aftership is uh, basically the solution our company grew from. Uh, it was launched in two thousand twelve after. Teddy and Andrew, who are uh, uh, the founders of the company, have uh, have won a global startup competition. And now Teddy was always an entrepreneur. He ran online stores selling uh, electronics, I think. And he has struggled with the customers constantly asking about the whereabouts of their orders. So, so he decided to build a dedicated solution for their business to help his customers track their orders easily. And and from from that, a good product that is now uh, Aftership, uh, which uh, you know we now integrate with over 800 different carriers to provide both the store owners and their customers with uh, uh, autom- uh, automated updates on the exact whereabouts of the product, right? So um, even more importantly, uh, not just the whereabouts of the product, but to know exactly where the order is going to be delivered without having to go to an external tracking page like uh, FedEx uh, or DHL, for example, to, to figure that out. Now, if you combine all of that, you get an upgraded uh, post-purchase experience that improves trust, loyalty, and drives repeat purchases at the end of the day. Yeah, from just my own personal experience, whenever I order something and I have to go to like, I think it's called like Mail 17 or something like that. Once I have to go onto that website, I think, well, all right, I, I might as well just write down a random number for all the for all the information that I'm getting from this. So it, it certainly does go a long way to give people that level of trust when you know the, the purchase has already been made. And 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 I and it reminds me too of you know some of my my previous work in in the sales um department where you know we would answer the call and people had already made up a lot of their minds once they had gone to the website and they ordered the product. So most of my work 
was actually after the order had been placed, having to uh, email customers every couple of days, let them know that we're working on the order, let them know uh, tracking and shipping updates. So it's 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 rather remarkable how there's just the perception of how much energy obviously has, and, and a great deal of energy does have to be put into you know getting the customer to convert in the first place. But it, it really... We don't. We 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 just don't see as much light shined on what happens after the order is placed. And an argument can be made that that's more important than than anything because people, yeah, they've ordered it, they pay their money, but that doesn't mean that the sale is final. They, yeah. they can get their money back. They can go to Visa. They can say, "Listen, this was uh, th- this was not what I was expecting," and Visa go after them. Absolutely, and you know what? It's it's definitely hard to get there. Uh, get new customers, but I think people don't understand the importance of, um, you know, really providing a good post-purchase experience and the implication it has uh, for the business in terms of winning repeat purchases, right? So you've already you've already convinced someone to buy from your store, right? Now go the extra mile and make the most out of this. Um, create loyalty and bring them back for more. And this is really where you distinguish between, you know, uh, uh, different brands. You see brands that really invest in post-purchase and, you know, repeat purchases and and brands that are solely focused on winning new customers. And there is much, much to be gained from the post-purchase experience, no doubt. Absolutely. We'll, 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 we'll continue to, to get into it as well. Uh, I do also understand that uh, Aftership is part of a larger company, uh, which is uh, Automizely. So... In, in in the same way, because I, I the, for I, again inside baseball to our audience, I linked uh, uh, Doran here to uh, the SMS episode, and so the question I asked her was like, "Well, SMS is part of Yapo, so how does Yapo fit into the bigger mm-hmm. picture?" So, same question to you is, how does Automizely fit into the the bigger picture and the the impact that it's having uh, on the industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, unlike SMS uh, bump, it was purchased by by uh, Yapo. Automizely or AfterShip was not purchased by Automizely. Actually, AfterShip. Is a part of a bigger, a bigger brand called uh, called Automizely, and uh, our mission at Automizely is to connect the entire infrastructure of online commerce so that people can buy and sell easily online. That's our mission, and so we currently build seven different automation products that are all free to install and are very, very easy to to set up and, and use. For instance, um. Our conversion automation tool, Automizely Marketing, is over 30, 30 different conversion tools uh, in one in one app to help user generate uh, leads and push visitors down the sales funnel. And once an order has been made, and user, our users can use our uh, another tool, our shipping tool, Postman, to easily generate uh, shipping labels and get discount uh, discounted rates, followed with the uh, AfterShip or tracking solution to track orders uh, once shipped. And then manage returns if needed with our return solution. So you see how our different products really cater to one another and complement one another to really connect the entire user journey together. Well, and and you know for 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 the audience, it it's it's going to help them a great deal even to to go onto the website and just to see all all of the features available to them. And one thing that I think is helpful too is that it reveals I think a lot of what people. Um, might not realize is going to be important to their business. So to see all of these uh, features uh, uh, being offered, all these products and services being offered, someone will look at that and think, oh, wow, I didn't even realize I could use that. I didn't even realize that's something that would be helpful to my business. So even just the presence of it alone, I think uh, uh, speaks a great deal to you know what a, even a single person business uh, is capable of in competing in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, I would agree that it would be helpful to go on the website and see uh, how the different products uh, speak uh, speak with each other, and I think we also discussed maybe doing a webinar together and uh, just show people how how everything works uh, smoothly together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there it is. That's what we were uh, uh, that's what we were plotting and, and scheming about. So <laughs> I don't know if I reveal it too soon, but uh, I couldn't help myself. Uh, it's it, it's 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 quite all right. Uh, I, the dam was going to break on my side at one point or another. So. Uh, we're 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 good to get, we're good to go. All right. So from your website, um, AfterShip service is broken into I believe it's five parts. Maybe there's another part of the website that shows different areas of it. So you can certainly you know let me know what gaps I've uh, I, I need to have filled. And also to our audience, I'm sorry, but drilling season has started up again. I'm gonna do my best to ignore it, but uh, that's uh, I just 
well, I'll let you guys know. So there's visibility, branded tracking, shipment notifications, analytics, apps, and developers. And I would like to have you touch on uh, each of them. And as we go, maybe we'll, we'll stop at each one. If there's something particular I would want to ask about. Absolutely, sure. So I think it's a good breakdown of our uh, um, different services or benefits uh, that AlphaShip uh, allows, right? So the first, um, the first element here is shipment visibility. And we want to help merchants be in control of their logistics and focus on selling more products, right? So the minute the logistics is handled, they can really focus on what is important, which is, you know, growing their brand, their store, et cetera. And so we allow merchants to monitor all their orders in one dashboard. So if you're sending multiple orders at once, you can filter them by dates, by status, by couriers, and so on, to identify any potential shipping incidents that might occur. Uh, such as um, delays due to weather conditions, uh, for example. Uh, so that's one aspect of, of uh, service. The second aspect is, is the branded uh, uh, tracking experience. So instead of sending customers to external pages and, and losing another important touch point uh, with their customers, we allow merchants to send their customers back uh, to the website with the tracking page that can be added to the store and, and, and provide merchants with more opportunity to upsell their brand and additional products, right? So uh, users can add multiple tracking pages and easily edit and customize it. For example, um, you can adjust your brand voice and add recommended products to the page. You can customize uh, the language and even add your Instagram account uh, to it. So uh, that's the second aspect. Um, uh, of, of AfterShip. The third one is the shipment and uh, notifications, right? So um, I think we touched on it a bit uh, earlier, but providing transparency is crucial for building um, a strong brand that customers are loyal to. So our automated notifications uh, keep customers informed, right? Uh, we can send users an email or an SMS or even Facebook message whenever the order status uh, changes so that they know at any point in time where their package is and more importantly, when the package is going to be delivered, right? So these updates are another great opportunity for merchants to build trust and add more touch points uh, to, to customer uh, communications. And the, la the last aspect of, of AfterShip is the analytics and our app integration. So in addition to the features that we just mentioned, we also leverage all that data uh, that we collect to provide merchants with important insights uh, insights to monetize uh, or, sorry, optimize their, their logistics and post-purchase services, right? So for example, uh, merchants can analyze the delivery rates, uh, average shipping time, the best couriers uh, uh, to use, and um, just really analyze uh, this data in order to optimize and make, uh, make changes. And yeah. Okay, so I, I wanted to actually uh, tell you a, uh, a, a little story because I'm wondering if there's any experiences that might be a familiar based on what uh, what you guys have because I mean you're, you're you're it's it's logistics at, at at scale. So again, this is going back to the sales job that I had, and uh, FedEx was our courier, and I tend to hesitate to throw other companies under the bus, but FedEx made my life hell for a year, <laughs> so I'm going to throw them under the bus. No worries. And the customer was waiting for their for their product, and they were waiting, and they were waiting, and we were waiting. And I would say one eighth of our job was calling FedEx, asking for updates. And depending on who we talked to, we would get different updates. We had one person let us know that the product actually disappeared entirely. And it just, or another person I think said that it was, it was stolen. And we, and we were kind of like unfazed at this point. We just said, you know what, I'm just going to keep calling them back anyways. We'll throw the dice. And so we get somebody else who was quite good at their job. And they say, oh, no, no, your, your product is here. It's just held up in customs. Uh, and it's basically in a little cage right now. And we just need to get, uh, get a form filled out. All of which is to say there was so much information that we had to keep prying and prying and prying in order to, uh, to reveal so that we can tell this to the customer who, of course, wasn't really pleased about the news, but at least it was something. And and I'm and I'm wondering if, if if any situations like that have come up, where you know they're you're doing your best to be transparent, but it's actually the couriers who are maybe lacking in transparency on their side. Um, so how have you been able to maintain sort of like a consistent uh, level of visibility for your customers? Uh, that's a nice question. Actually, I mean, okay. um, one <laughs> one advantage here is that uh, there is no human touch or human involvement in the 
in the process, right? So we rely solely on the powerful technology, which is the integrations that we have with all these different uh, carriers. And uh, one thing we do is we standardize all the different uh, shipment statuses, right? Each carrier um, has a different uh, shipment status and we take all the different uh, statuses and standardize them. And once, um, once all this process happens without human inter- uh, 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 a human uh, intervene, and then you basically, uh, you know, you get um, full transparency uh, over where the shipment, where the uh, package is actually at. And if you think about it, there are, you know, the fulfillment process nowadays is so complex. You know, you have, first of all, the distance, right? Sometimes, or in a lot of cases, you ship from China over to the US, which is, you know, a, a huge distance. It takes a lot of time, and there are so many hands, different hands that the package. Uh, moves from hand to hand, and um, if there is no uh, sense of technology or automation in the process, it gets really messy, right? And you don't want humans to to do that. So I think to answer your question here, uh, with the automation and integration, it makes uh, things very uh, much more simpler. But of course, you know there are always incidents, and there are always specific. Uh, incidents that uh, that occur and you need to uh, manage them. But I think if you look at the at the great at the uh, you know at the statistics and the larger uh, scheme of things, then you know the automation really makes uh, uh, makes the logistics uh, um, uh, better. And eventually, again, as I said, you want uh, merchants not to focus on on handling the logistics. You want them to focus on building their brand and you know improving their product, etc. And so I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to summarize the point, uh, just so that I, uh, I'm understanding it, is that it really comes down to there are, there are times where the human touch is ideal. You, know, you, want that to be in the, you want that to be in the marketing. You want that to be in the customer service. Uh, but when it comes to something uh, as, you know, as material, as a product physically moving from one place to another, the human touch doesn't really make a difference you know somebody can maybe be yeah you still have people who are picking up moving the boxes but it's it's not like they have to uh write write a song related to it or anything like that it's very much a a laborious position and and you can see this throughout all of history is that when something is uh, if something can be automized it, it tends to be uh, because you don't want humans to turn into machines you want humans to do the kinds of jobs that human beings are meant to do mm-hmm. absolutely and you know on top of that relating to to the nice story that you say that you uh, mentioned, um, when it comes to uh, updating customers, right, uh, customer support, um, uh, the entire automation process, and uh, and not having uh, customer support agents uh, to give, provide you the information and make the mistake that he might make because either he's new, he's you know he's uh, tired, God knows what, um. It really, you know, uh, solves a lot of uh, incidents that you know are just not meant to 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 be an issue in the first place. So one of the things stuck out to me, by the way, when you're um, when you're talking about brand tracking, uh, how the the Instagram is integrated into uh, that that part of it. You, you mentioned it briefly, but it stuck out to me because. To me, Instagram um, r- comes across as it's very essential towards the beginning of the funnel. You know, it's it's really more part of the marketing. Um, so, can you specify to me in in what way Instagram uh, becomes relevant and effective um, post purchase? Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe I'm I don't maybe I misunderstood, but I, I just wanted to clarify it. No, for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a good uh, point. So, um, one one uh, main role that the track or a branded tracking page. It plays in the post-purchase experience is strengthening um, uh, the brand itself, right? Providing, creating brand loyalty, um, and just take combining and having the option of adding Instagram and uh, the Instagram account really does a good job with that, right? So imagine uh, two incidents. The first incident is when you're a customer and you want to look up your your order, your package. You go to and just a boring standard DHL or FedEx uh, tracking page, and you get the information you need, great. But in the other incident, uh, you uh, check out the branding page, you go back to um, uh, the store that you got the product from, you go back to their website, 
uh, you are interacted, you, you are in interaction with more products, you go to the tracking page and the tra tracking page looks very much like uh, uh, the store. And a part of that is images that can be found on Instagram, for example, right? So you have this whole branded experience that just at the end of the day really want, um, helps customers to uh, relate to the brand. And, you know, at the end of the day, it motivates them to just come back for more. And so I think that that's a, that's a good, good example. Um, okay, this is going to get even more specific, but is it, let's, let's just say there are certain images on my Instagram that would be more particularly effective. Am I able to curate those images or is it the uh, the the main feed that, and it just happens to update on whatever is most recent? Yeah, you can curate uh, the images um, and to go into the specifics of how to uh, do it, it's more of, a, um, I would say, development work at this point and we are constantly building and on that features to make it even easier to do. But at the end of the day, you can choose the pictures that you want to have add, to add to, to the tracking page. I see, I, 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 can get very, I, can, I can get very granular, although I wasn't always as granular, you know, it, 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 over time, sort of understand these things. Okay. With, with age. With age, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I look in the mirror and I'm reminded of that constantly. <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay, so we, we, we mentioned, uh, and I think this is a good time to ask this question because we didn't mention there's over 800 carriers. The number that I've written down is 881, so you come up on uh, 900. Uh, I can see it pretty overwhelming to think about like which of, which couriers I would want to use effectively. So, I mean, for one, I'm I, I'm fascinated by how you know the team sets this up and sets up the relationships with the different couriers. It strikes me as this is more on like the automation side, but because I'm sure they already have their logistics set up. That's their, that's their job. But let's just say, for instance, that I'm setting up uh, a store and I'm focusing on shipping to US and Canada, which is not hypothetical. That's actually what I'm doing. Um, so what do I do exactly? Like, do I just pick and choose which couriers I think would best service the area? Do I just enable everybody and, and, and let them uh, fight it out to see who ends up getting to ship the package? <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, let me uh, divide my answer into two. So first of all, we actually have a dedicated careers team, right? So uh, uh, their whole focus is to manage uh, existing integrations and explore new integrations to be, to be made, right? So we combine both user, uh, user requests with our own research to make sure we cover all the different careers uh, out there. However, um, a large portion of our user base is the uh, shipping in the U.S. and Canada, as are you. And then you'd only have to set up the curves that you're working with, right? Uh, which, uh, for the most part, it also happens automatically by auto-detecting uh, the order tracking number uh, format of the courier, right? So if you go into the admin, you just choose the carriers that you're working with uh, from, uh, from the list in our admin. And then uh, Aftership will automatically detect a, a the courier by a, the tracking number format so so it's a, that part is automated as well okay um one other thing uh that i thought would be uh worthwhile of asking too is currently with my store i do have a, a third party logistics um it's like you know the product that goes to their warehouse and they and they can ship it and um, are there are there relationships with three uh, PLs or is this more a on parallel where this is more you're able to kind of handle the situation with or without one? Oh yeah, absolutely. So apart from integrating with couriers, we also either integrate with the three PLs or we partner with them. And uh, since uh, AfterShip has an, um, a unified API, um. We actually serve not only uh, D2C brands, but we also serve other entities and farmers, right? So uh, we can uh, provide our API to, uh, API to 3PLs, or we can also um, provide our API to e-commerce platforms, right? So for example, we have Amazon and Shopify and eBay, uh, for instance, as, a, uh, as our customers. And so all that works uh, through our API. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I was uh, curious about that one too. All right. So uh, I'm going to uh, uh, 
not that everybody can see my list of questions, but I'm going back a couple of questions here. So we, we've touched on bits and pieces of this, but I wanted to make sure that we gave it um, a fair amount of attention, which is really about, again, this is getting back into the overall theme of the post-purchase experience. And you know, luckily at, at this point, we've had had the, the ability to talk about this, um, you know, even on, on prior episodes. Um, so the way I would want to frame the question to you is, um, and if you can even like do case studies, that'd be great. But I know there's some sensitivity there with mentioning other companies. So I leave that to your discretion. But it really would have been the difference between the brands that have properly emphasized post-purchase versus the ones that don't. You know, what, what lengths that they have to go to effectively use the post-purchase experience. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. So Thank you. I, <laughs> I keep you know complimenting you on the question. So I, I think that the brand I got a, yeah, I've got a chalkboard on my wall. I just <laughs> every time somebody says it. For sure. Uh, I hope to win uh, win this battle. So I think that brands that understand that there, uh, there is more money to be made from uh, um, acquired customers and uh, manage to grow their brand faster, right? So there are obvious reasons that connect customer satisfaction to their willingness to come back to buy more through upselling, for example. But then you also have elements that are not that obvious, right? Such as the impact your happy customers have on your marketing efforts. And happy customers are more likely to make referrals and leave reviews. And we all know how important customer reviews are to the online business these days. So from my past experience, um, I was able to see up close that the impact that user-generated ha- content has a, a for you know the growth of of the brand. So you know uh, that aspect is not that obvious, but I think it's very important and you know demonstrates the the difference. Yeah, and and I can and I can hammer this point uh, home as often as I like because it is just so important um, how each customer turns into um, an asset in one of two ways. They're either an asset for you or they're an asset against you. They have a bad experience. People love talking about them bad experiences. So they love to talk to their friend, talk to their friends about it. I threw FedEx under the bus not too long ago in, in this episode. But conversely, people also like talking about uh, positive experiences too. They like to have their own experiences uh, uh, validated by letting other people know about that. So you know, each each customer, especially in the user-generated uh, uh, content realm, they can turn into some of your best sales assets. It's something that even I'm I've, I'm learning uh, on an episode-to-episode basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's exactly the case. And you know what? If you add another layer to it, and you um, look at um, the cost of marketing these days for merchants, you know, as the competition becomes more and more tightened, and I think. Um, using your happy customers as as your ambassadors becomes even more so uh, important and you know uh, this goes all the way through the post-purchase user journey i would say right so happy customers referrals providing a good post-purchase experience they will all make your life easier when it comes to and making your happy customers uh, your 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 marketers, basically. And, and and I think this is a great time to ask this next question too, which is you know about uh, younger brands, brands that are starting up. They don't have, I mean, they, maybe they haven't even had a sale yet. Um, so, what are some of the basic steps that uh, you would uh, recommend brands take to be in good shape when those first customers start rolling in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think this very much relates to your last question uh, in the sense that your customers are your marketers, right? And if you provide them with the right tools, they will deliver, meaning that you have to equip them with a sense of security uh, to build trust. And the best way to do uh, to do that is to offer transparency. And uh, like with uh, we, we just demonstrated with order status updates, right? So being transparent uh, being transparent and providing a good customer service. And once you've gained their trust, you can be much more comfortable with upselling and asking for reviews and referrals for you. So uh, just to put it into practice, I would set up um, personalized and event-based uh, email flows and make sure I have good, review, uh, good reviews and referral solution in place uh, to, for starters. And then, you know, as your brand grows organically, uh, this becomes more and more powerful. And you know, um, actually, this was something that uh, I wanted to touch on from 
from the first question that I had asked you, uh, well, it's actually technically the second question I had asked you about some of the about the origin of uh, of the company, because uh, you were saying that the the founders they were merchants themselves, correct? They were trying yeah. to uh, run their own businesses, and um, I think that particular perspective can go a long way in influencing the the DNA of the company. And I'm wondering um, if there was anything particular that they had. Uh, you know, they had learned from their experience as merchants that had, uh, with the uh, aside from building the company altogether, if there was anything that really stuck out to them that they wanted to impart on people as they were growing and expanding the company. Yeah, I mean, I think um, AfterShip as a company grew exactly from that point, right? From just being a merchant and just uh, tracking down and, and pain points that was obviously a pain point for so many other merchants of just building a solution that, you know what? It was at the beginning, it wasn't even, it wasn't meant to be a company or a startup. It was simply a, a you know, um, a hands-on solution for uh, for the store that they were managing. Um, and I guess because, you know, um, it solved so many problems, it grew into what it is today. And so I think the sense of that and, and the fact that they grew a company from being a merchant is so helpful and it's a part of our uh, DNA. So, for example, we constantly uh, seek for speaking with the, our users, right, and getting their feedback and understanding what they're going through. Obviously, uh, the e-commerce state is not the same as it was 10 or 15 years ago and things constantly uh, keep growing and updating and we, we need to be a part of it. And a big part of that is you know, just being in communicate, hearing uh, users out and understanding where their new touch points is. And I think that is also a part of, of our roadmap and just building on these new challenges that yeah, that uh, just come on, you know, uh, uh, every now and then. Um, this is this would pop into my head. This is, I, I, can't, I, I almost can't help myself, but okay. So with the, with the over 800 couriers, I don't actually know how many couriers there are in existence, but is there like, uh, a, a vetting or um, a certain uh, requirement or expectations for for couriers to be, let's say, you know, worthy and um, uh, trustworthy enough to uh, be part of the, the the service that you're offering. Sure. Um, I mean, uh, if the the standard at the end of the day is if uh, enough merchants uh, use the carrier and if they need the solution, right? So this is what they're beating us because. Again, we want to solve, we want to be a problem solver for our users, right? So if enough users use this uh, specific carrier, I guess it's uh, trustworthy enough in order to, you know, gain that uh, popularity. Um, and, and we just want to be able to cover all the, all, all the dots. And I mean, 800 is a lot, but there are uh, numerous uh, couriers. And I can say that, you know, sometimes um, it gets, you know, obviously for bigger countries, it gets more complicated if you know within a country like Germany, for example, you have um, um, uh, states, and in that states you have special specific carriers that you know are really good and and are popular among these uh, regions. So you really want to be able to cover uh, every single uh, uh, you know um, piece of land, uh, so to speak. Yeah, and one thing that uh, you know it's occurred to me as you're as you're describing this to me is that I think it also you know, if we allude back to my other question earlier about like if I wanted to ship to U.S. and Canada, what I think is opening up a lot of a possibility here is just the amount of market expansion available. Because with that many couriers, a lot of parts of the world are, you know, are, are covered uh, effectively. And 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 I'm wondering if you've, if you've seen that, if you've seen uh, brands uh, realizing that now they actually have means. Um, well, maybe they've had it before, but it's a lot more effective now. So it's actually more worthwhile where now they can actually maybe start shipping to places like Johannesburg, you know, places that are so densely populated, but we just, you just don't expect to service those areas because they don't come up on, uh, on the conversation as often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's definitely part of, of the uh, brands. And I can say that, you know, as for AfterShip, as you know, we grew and we, uh, serve uh, bigger and bigger stores uh, or brands. We, you know, we also um, uh, kind of grew along with uh, with uh, our users, right? So, if um, uh, our brands grew and they had a need to uh, ship to more, I would say, you know, um, um, to more locations around the globe, we had to 
come up with the solutions to to do that. So I think that our um, uh, our company kind of grew hand in hand with uh, with our you know uh, uh, most loyal uh, users, which is I think a very interesting experience. Yeah, and and you had mentioned uh, with the large and larger brands, which transitions uh, pretty well into the next question that I had ready for you. It, it, so this is a large scale issue that I like talking about on the program. It's this idea that you have, on the one hand, you have e-commerce brands, and on the other hand, you have brands, um, legacy brands, household brands, just you know, companies that people have come to recognize, um, whether they they see it in a store or it's or it's delivered or it just happens to be, I don't know, like here in in, in Ontario, we have like Pizza Pizza. It's like our, it's like it, it's it's basically like a, like a, the government pizza chain at this point, and <laughs> uh, and, and and people they. Now, the the average consumer is, I think, much more akin to um, uh, affiliating and associating and having an affinity for these brands because of their legacy. I mean, they've, they they have the advantage of being around for years, but that's not to say that it's a um, it makes them immortal. If you look at a company like Walmart, for instance, they're in the fight for other lives right now because Amazon has. Uh, made it much more difficult for them to be able to service the same amount of customers and they're doing, they're doing the best and, and, and God bless them. But, um, uh, there are, you know, there's, there's old gods and there's new gods, uh, to, to quote Neil Gaiman there for a second. So I noticed, for instance, you know, Harry's razor is a prominent brand that, uh, that you present on the website and it's not even the most prominent one either. There are brands that are even more recognizable. So I I'd like to hear about a, you know, the difference that you've made for a brand like that you know, how a brand that is becoming more, more recognized, it's sponsored in podcasts, which is a, you know, a pretty big, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a milestone, not the biggest milestone, but it's there. Uh, and I'd also like to hear about, you know, your opinion on the perception of e-commerce brands versus generalized ones. And what are some of the big jobs that, or some of the big tasks ahead in order to um, blend these two, which I think is what we really need for, you know, for, for our economy going down, going, go, you know, going down the, going down the line. Generally speaking, I think e-commerce is one of the fast, uh, fastest growing industries. Um, and as the entry of barriers become smaller uh, with, the, you know, with the improvement of technology and e-commerce platforms such as Shopify and Aftership, uh, making, making it easier to become um, an e-commerce brand, it also becomes more challenging to succeed, right? And, and you really need to stand out and go the extra mile, right? So uh, in the case of uh, Harry's, um, They've been uh, with us since 2014, and, and we're grateful, obviously, to be a part of their, their success. Um, the biggest challenge working with uh, brands like Harry's and other um, uh, companies that we, brands that we support, uh, is, the, is supporting the international growth of, of the brand and allow, allowing them to access new markets while still maintaining this high level of user experience and support, right? So... Uh, with uh, with our widespread of integrations um, with couriers all around, uh, around the globe, we were able to provide the, the standardized level of order, tra- order tracking across the globe, while you know centralizing the the location and monitoring and uh, monitoring all the different shipments in in one place and providing that with uh, analytics that they can use to optimize the fulfillment channels for each of the. And the locations that they were were shipping to, and so I think that you know that was a biggest a big a challenge for us uh, to help uh, these brands that you know uh, grow so fast to all these different places and locations around the globe just to keep up. And I think you know it kind of relates to our our last uh, um, uh, discussion point. Mm. And. You know, this uh, for, for for our audience, just so they're wondering where, why I came up with this particular, it reminded me of the conversation that I had previously with um, Polina of GrowWave, which is one of the um, key issues with uh, with delivery is that getting a, unless, uh, unless drones take over and then drones are just like, you know, they're solar powered and they just fly to and fro, uh, which scares me, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. When, when you have, um, when products are being traveled by, uh, either by boat, by car, by plane, there is a line that needs to be crossed for this to be uh, efficient. Um, if, a, if, a, if a vehicle is delivering too few product and they're spending too much money, too much on fuel, too much on car insurance, 
So you you need to know that there are enough products to uh, to be delivered to make the business actually viable. And I think that's really one of the strengths here is that by allowing such a great deal of consolidation, it gives smaller brands an advantage that uh, larger that most of the time larger brands uh, only get access to because they've built up the capital for it. Absolutely, absolutely right. So think about you know the. Um, and the fact that you know brands can negotiate with different couriers, not just different couriers, but manufacturers, they are no longer bound to um, uh, one location. They are able to ship from anywhere around the world, um, which you know at the end of the day lowers um, uh, lowers the, the selling cost, right? Because if you can negotiate with so many different entities uh, at once, you get better deals. And if you get better deals and you save uh, save the money and you just you know uh, increase your, your profit at the end of the day. So I think that's definitely something that, you know, as part of, uh, we are as, uh, in part of the, uh, you know, the global trend of e-commerce, I would say, just to uh, uh, make it easier, um, easier to sell online, but it also, you know, on the other hand, it may it lowers the bar, the, the barrier of entrance, and just creates more competition. So I think it won't stop there. And um, more and more uh, stores and brands are being established as we speak. And just, you know, there are just uh, more and more uh, challenges ahead and just more uh, room for new solutions to come and solve problems at the end of the day. That's, that's the, the beauty of it. Okay, so this is uh, this is an economics, uh, a traditional question um, for agencies and services. It's about data aggregation. We've definitely, I think, answered this question in kind uh, at different parts throughout the episode. So I'm going to be very specific with how I ask this. But have have as a company, have you identified any patterns that are consistent with brands that have been able to say move from a free plan? to an essentials plan and then from essentials to the uh, the higher and higher uh, uh, plans. Certain milestones that brands have been able to cross in order to be able to then move up to those other uh, premium uh, services. Yeah, so uh, luckily our plans and pricing are designed to fit all brands from small to enterprise, right? So we charge per shipment and the requirement uh, for more shipment usually comes hand to hand with ups, upgrading uh, plans. So, so I think that's an important point and important to point out. Um, however, I can say that there is a big correlation that we see in the data between uh, different uh, data points, right? So for example, um, the number of email subscribers, um, the number of product reviews that are generated, the number of couriers uh, that you support might uh, be a good in- indicator for the growth of, of the brand, if that answers your question. That actually, that, that now that does that, answer the question that's actually um that that's like more insightful than i thought i was going to get out of it um because i think when you those are some pretty particular metrics that somebody can look at and say okay well now the demand has increased to this point now i i got a service is you know using the premium more premium plan so yeah that's actually like uh, it clicks a lot in my head by the way if you're a current user of debutify or haven't tried us out yet Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. I've got you for, for, for a bit more time. I don't have you for, for too much more time because I know you're, you're a busy fellow. First, I, I do actually, I'm, I, I'm always curious to hear about, you know, your own personal story too. Um, I, I, I'm a bit of, a, of an outlier because I know a lot of people on a lot of shows, they ask those kind of questions closer to the beginning. I tend to kind of want to wait to closer to the end, more for decompression. But I also just want to make sure, uh, is there any other element to the business that you'd love to let our audience know about? Anything I missed, a stone I should have uh, upturned? Um, no, I think it's pretty much covered. I think we... Yeah, you did a really good uh, good job to just digging in and just really, you know, uh, uh, putting it out there. Okay, well, I appreciate that. One more for the chalkboard. So, exactly. uh, l- l- let me. Uh, I'd like to hear about, you know, what, what were you up to prior to e- e-commerce, and you know, what what skills had you been developing in your own, uh, you know, in your own line of work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I've been in e-commerce for for the past five years now, and I actually started at Yahoo. Uh, which is based here in Tel Aviv, and we just, you know, uh, 
finally we we mentioned them uh, a few times in this conversation and after that I spent uh, two years at the at looks before I joined aftership and and I think I'm really lucky you know to have worked in such an innovated uh, environment and companies and now without aftership obviously and you know it really feels like I'm in the forefront of, of e-commerce and I'm happy you know to to be in for for the ride and you And actually, before I entered e-commerce, I was um, a sales team lead. So I think we have something in common. And I was a sales team lead in a global e-learning company. And, and you know, I think sales is an art at the end of the day. And it can be used in all different aspects uh, of life, right? Not just in your career. But even if you're, like, negotiating rates of, of renting um, a flat or something like that. And plus, I've studied law and business in university, so I want I really want to believe some of some skills uh, came out of the the four years investment that i that I made there. Uh, yeah well, I mean it, I, I, I'm almost afraid to ask you that question in case it ends up ripping off a, a bandage over an old wound. But did anything really stick out to you in your in your, in your school experience? I know a lot of people that I ask that question, it's It's not the lessons so much as it's you know, it's the people they met and the networking and I guess more of like the work ethic that was instilled in them so that tends to be a pretty consistent takeaway that a lot of people including myself by the way from my own experience in school yeah yeah for sure I mean it, it's hard to say that any of the you know the content that was the you know that, that I learned really uh, you know still is with me I mean to some degree it is I guess and I I think not so much as the content, but more just developing developing a thought process and a state of mind. And obviously, you know, I think um, just the handling challenges um, that come with, you know, a, a going for a degree is also um, another skill set that that you develop. You know, the, this uh, I think university and just getting a degree at this day and age, Is not what it used to be uh, obviously and I think uh, for the most part of it uh, it's a positive process that we're seeing but I think there are uh, certain elements uh, that are still important you know just having that goal and just being invested in it and really you know there are I don't know if you can relate but for me there were or a lot of ups and downs just you know uh, dealing with with them you know with the uh, With these challenges and I think that it's uh, definitely um, something that people should should experience you know uh, prior to just uh, you know starting their career and I think there's enough time to start a career right I mean you can always do that so if you're interested in something you want to learn it and um, maybe it's worth investing and not just rushing in to start your career but that's just me Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to touch on my own school experience uh, very briefly. I mean, for me, the hard part was gaining the respect of other students. Uh, I, uh, I come from a more of a performative background. So, you know, things, things can get very, very dramatic um, in, uh, in a school when you have a lot of people who are all used to kind of being the center of attention. But what I, but what happened, you know, by the end of the, it was a two-year program. And by the, by the end of it, I had pretty much everybody's respect, say for like one guy who was a basket case, um, he ended up, knocking somebody up and, and now he's just like yeah just, th- things didn't go too well for him but other, other than that everybody um it, it by sticking with it um it had given me enough time to show um what i was capable of that if i had given up early i wouldn't have been able to do that and then people would have been left with a very different impression of me so um committing to it in full not only gives you a chance to demonstrate your value to others which can be useful down the line It also gives a person the ability to demonstrate the value to themselves and to show what they are capable of under that kind of pressure. Exactly, exactly right. And you know, whether or not you start a career or you, you know, uh, you become self-sufficient, you open an online store, there will be times where you have to just stick with it and you have to be committed, even though you really want to run for the hills, right? Um, and I think that's a really good lesson to be learned there. Uh, You know, and if you learn that uh, during university, that's uh, uh, that's a win. One other very, very tiny point because I know uh, the clock is ticking super quick right now, but it's it's also good about like uh, resistance training because on one hand, like you do the work and you've got to pay them to do the work. So to transition from that into a position where you know they're paying you to do that work, 
that's that's uh, that's some good uh, long-term conditioning. So that's just one other point that I want to make. Um, so with that, I would love to hear two things. One, if you have any final words of wisdom, uh, you know, like a, a Chinese proverb, be really like, feel free to share it. No pressure. And then let the audience know how they can get a hold of you and get a hold of your company. Yeah. So actually, um, not that I have any, you know, uh, points of wisdom and off my sleeve, but one more thing I wanted to mention is that, uh, you know, Automizely and Authorship are, uh, are growing and we are constantly looking for new talents and there are a bunch of new roles uh, that are now open. So, you know, for anyone who's listen, listening and is in, interested in my joining uh, me and the team, uh, feel free to reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, we can also add my, my email to that. Uh, or you can just, you know, hop to the website and see what's open and what's interesting. So, uh, um, you know, uh, just another point I wanted to make. Yeah, and and I haven't been able to make that point too often, but you know, if um, if a person isn't so sure about starting their own business yet, because it does come at a cost and it is a risk, joining an e-commerce company is a great way to understand how it works from that side of it. And I think that experience can be uh, immeasurable um, depending on where they want to go from there. So uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's a that's definitely a worthwhile closer. So um, with that, uh, Doran, it's it's been great to talk to you. Uh, great to see you again. Uh, I certainly look forward to the next time that uh, we can meet and chat. And I am going to uh, let you on out of here. So to my audience, as always, it's a pleasure to be able to do this for all of you. And I hope that I have uh, changed your perspective, perspective in some small way in the same way that my perspective changes in some small way with each episode I get to do. So with that, all the best, take care, and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. <laughs>